little bit of sunshine courtesy of Boston Bruins forward Brad Marchand. This is last night during the uh, Rogers Monday night hockey broadcast. So the Boston Bruins and the Edmonton Oilers take it away. New Ken Linsman, the new rats, Brad Marchand. Archie, it's Ace. I read your tweet about the All-Star game being in Edmonton. I was just curious to know if you're looking for a real estate agent because I've got a really good one in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just kind of playing around. Uh, um, yeah, I was just saying what everyone else is thinking. But, uh, no, it's, uh, it doesn't matter where it is. I'm not going to be there anyway, so I'll just get to laugh at everyone else that has to go. <laughs> As a quick follow-up, I just want to know, how much do you enjoy being the villain, though, too, poking the bear? other teams fan base is getting them fired up like how much do you appreciate being the hated guy going to these other buildings uh you know i i just think it's funny when when uh you know they they just get a little sour at little things uh you know i think a lot of that stuff is all in good fun and and you know we're just trying to have a good laugh every now and again when people take it serious it's unfortunate but uh makes it even funnier one of the, uh, well, first of all, one of the most skilled players in the NHL, one of the at-time dirtiest and nastiest players in the NHL, and I say that as a compliment. And number three, one of the smartest players in the NHL, anyone who can embrace being a villain. You know, the Boston Bruins, as we all know, have a, uh, a history uh, of people embracing the villain role. I'm going to give you a quick, great story here and go back in the, uh, the annals of time. So one of the original villains, like capital V villains in the NHL, and that's a tradition that's very much now carried on by Brad Marchand, um, was Eddie Shore. Now, Eddie Shore was a highly skilled and also very rough and tough and dirty and nasty uh, defenseman for the Boston Bruins for a long time. And, I mean, he's the reason we have an all-star game now because of the uh, the Ace Bailey incident. Um he embraced the villain role to the point where every single other rink that Eddie Shore went into, every, 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 every other arena, the minute he hit the ice, it was just like instant hatred vented at Eddie Shore to the point where, and he didn't do it always, but the story that I'm told is... Eddie Shore loved it like few other villains in the history of the NHL and would actually, in warm-up, occasionally wear a black cape <laughs> during warm-up. That's how much he embraced the role of being the villain. And good to see Brad Marchand picking that up. And uh, good to see the crew last night on, uh, on Rogers Monday Night Hockey uh, pick that up and ask him that question about Edmonton. Speaking of Edmonton, that game last night was awesome. That game last night was flat-out great. And first of all, congratulations to Connor McDavid. He uh, hits the 50-goal mark, the first one to get there. David Pasternak with an assist yesterday. And the Boston Bruins beat the Edmonton Oilers in a thriller I'm not going to say it was the best game that we've seen this season. I think that's probably still the Calgary Flames and the New York Rangers, but that was real good. And if that is a Stanley Cup final, sign me up for seven games of it. Although for the Edmonton Oilers, we all know that, well, we strongly suspect that Ken Holland is not done with this team. You may look at Sweeney and say, okay, he's parked it. That's the team. That's the the, the squad they're going, going forward with. Uh, but the Edmonton Oilers, we know they're engaged in talks. Um, you know, they've talked about and two, you know, uh, teams about defensemen. Um, we've wondered about Gavrikov plenty. Uh, we talked plenty about Eric Carlson, and it doesn't look like that is going to happen, at least at this time. That's probably an off-season move if it does happen. Uh, many have wondered about Jacob Chikrin, and that is an intriguing one. 
because in a lot of the other deals, well, like in the Carlson deal, the proposed Carlson deal, they talked about Carlson deal, they would have had to have moved some money uh, to San Jose to make that fits. Um, with Chikrin, it doesn't sound very much like the Arizona Coyotes want to take much, if any, money back at all. So if you're dealing with Edmonton, it's going to be prospects. And I think a lot of people have, have circled Xavier Burgo there. Uh, first round draft pick, maybe a Broberg. Uh, I know they would probably like to send some money back. I just don't know that Arizona, although they would have the space to take it, want to take on any money uh, at this point. Uh, and I still think we're wondering what's going to be the play here with Jesse Pugliarvi. Uh, we don't think he's long for Edmonton, and you wonder who helps Ken Holland out with that issue. Coming up on the show today, uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, a couple of reasons. One, David Poyle of the Nashville Predators, president and general manager, will stop by. We'll talk to him about, obviously, his legacy with Nashville. Have a look back at his time with Washington as well. Uh, he steps down on June the 30th and hands the official reins over to Barry Trotz, who he is working with still right now, and pulled off that really wonderful uh, deal for Tanner Janot. More deals are on the horizon for Nashville. We know that. So looking forward to talking to David Poyle about that in Hour 2. Brian Engblom comes up at the bottom of this hour. Tampa Bay Lightning analyst. Uh, what more can you say about Tampa other than they're close, they don't care what they pay because they want to get their guys. And uh, Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca will stop by more on the uh, Jake McCabe-Sam Lafferty deal with the Chicago Blackhawks yesterday. Uh, lots to get to, and today could be Kane Day, albeit not until after 5 o'clock Eastern. We'll explain why as Elliot's on the other side from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada. Welcome to the program. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Also, one other thing I wonder about today. Yesterday was a tough loss for the Detroit Red Wings. Congratulations to the Ottawa Senators. You know, Pierre Dorian said, we're going to take this thing right up into the Ranger game on Thursday before we make our minds up on what we do. Big win last night for Ottawa. They're back at it tonight. If the Red Wings lose again tonight, how much does that change things vis-a-vis Tyler Bertuzzi Teams have been calling. I think we all wonder about Dallas. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Meantime, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada in advance of 10 games tonight. But before that, Elliot, a very intriguing afternoon where once again we're on Patrick Kane watch and we're all watching 5 o'clock Eastern. Why? Well, the way the salary cap works is there's pre-5 o'clock moves and post-5 o'clock moves. And anything before 5 o'clock counts on the cap for today. And anything... After 5 o'clock, it's Eastern time, (laughs) counts on the cap for tomorrow. So I think there is a a possibility that we get the announcement tonight and Kane is is a Ranger Ranger tomorrow. And, well, technically he's a Ranger tonight, but he's activated for tomorrow or eligible for tomorrow, and they play in Philadelphia. And one of the things that... uh, it's funny. I, I got a text about like uh, three minutes ago uh, from someone saying uh, that they, they they're like, we believe the Blackhawks have shipped the equipment. So like that's what's going on uh, right now. Like that, those are the updates I'm getting. I literally got it just as I was answering a call from Lance. Like we believe the Blackhawks have shipped the equipment. So I mean, this is this is happening. We're just. We're just waiting for the official <laughs> announcement. 
This this is the exciting life of this trade deadline. Yes. Yes. Yellow laces. Following skate laces. Yellow skate laces from uh, from Chicago to the New York Rangers. Okay, so that story uh, continues. Uh, A couple of things. Um, Real good game last night. The Edmonton Oilers and the Boston Bruins. Uh, Congratulations, Connor McDavid. uh, Scores 50 goals for the first time in his career and kind of shrugs it off afterwards and says, I wish we would have won the game in true Connor McDavid fashion. Um, where are the Oilers at right now? Like, there's you know, a, a number of uh, there was a number of talks yesterday on online uh, and on radio with Bob Stoffer about uh, Matthias Ekholm and the Nashville Predators. We, not mm-hmm. exactly a secret; they've been engaged in conversations. I mean, you've talked about Gavrikov before. Jacob Chikrin's name has always been out there, although yep. I don't know about Arizona taking back any substantial salary, taking back any type yep. of numbers there. What's happening with Ken Holland starting to? Day in advance of Friday. Well, I think he's waiting to make the like. Ken Hall's done this for a long time, and I think he's. I, I think you know. I think he sees the same thing that a few other teams see. There is there's a lot of defensemen mm-hmm. uh, out there, and there's a lot of different options. Some with term and some without, and he's looking for the best deal that he can get. Best player combination, best deal. And I think he's playing all these teams off against each other and trying to see who sweats and, and who he can try to take a little bit of advantage of. Um, you know, the, the thing about Chikrin is I, I really get the sense when you look at some of the returns that we've seen this week for players like Janot and things like that, it's emboldened yeah. Arizona to say our ask is right. Because look what Tanner Janot just yeah. got. <laughs> uh, look what some of these returns are. So I, I think it's it's convinced the Coyotes, at least in the short term, that their ask is right, and they should be getting what they've been demanding the whole time for Chikrin. I don't know if I see Edmonton paying that price. And you're right, there is the matter of contracts going back. I think there have been there's been one trade for sure, and possibly two that have run into real trouble with the Coyotes over money coming back. So I, I think that's something we all have yeah. to keep in mind here. Do I think Edmonton's looking at Chikrin? Yes, I, I do. And I think they have on and off at times. Do I think it's likely? I don't know. I, um, I, I think there's some real hurdles there. I definitely think that, uh, that I think like ever since Nashville did what they did this weekend, I think they have been actually, Jeff, can you just hang on for a quick sec? I got to take this one. Okay. Yeah, go take it. No, no, no. Good. Go. Well, th- welcome to my life with Elliot Friedman. This is uh, not just on the radio, but this is also how our podcasts kind of go, and this is also how our daily conversations uh, go. So uh, this is a glimpse inside uh, of my relationship um, with Elliot. So we'll, we'll stay tuned to see what's happening with the uh, the Edmonton Oilers. There, I mean, Matthias Ekholm is certainly uh, desirable. It would take. Like, we're talking about big deals here. Like, I know with a player like Dmitry Orlov, who the Oilers were interested as well, like, that was that was a situation where I think a lot of teams, and maybe the Oilers would have been one of them, you know, that was a situation where I think teams were trying to, maybe steal sounds too harsh, but I think you know what I'm going for, try to steal a defenseman or try to get a bargain on a defenseman. And the first team that really stepped up were the Boston Bruins, and they ended up getting Orloff and not a team like the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we have Elliot back. So so spill, Elliot. Who was that? Yeah, it wasn't. it didn't turn out to be anything major at this point in time. Uh, somebody I'll be back in touch with after the uh, hit. But the other thing about everybody's been calling Nashville since uh, Eckholm, since
since uh, this weekend. And I think there have been a lot of calls about Ekholm. <laughs> again, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, it's going to be a higher price uh, in terms of ca- uh, draft and future capital. Yeah. And also, like, there's term there. And I'm not – I mean, everything is negotiable, I think. But people tell me that Nashville is not crazy about keeping money or at least too much of it. So that's going to add another challenge uh, to the whole situation. So, look, like Edmonton took a run at Patrick King. Edmonton took a run at Eric Carlson. It should be no surprise to anybody that they're looking at Chikrin, they're looking at Ekholm, they're looking at everybody who's out there. But I think the one thing you have to look at, what is the likelihood of all these things? And I'm just not sure yet what the likelihood there is of, of Chikrin and Ekholm. I think they're... They're very complicated deals for the team to do, not only now and the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, the Ottawa Senators beat the Detroit Red Wings last night. They'll face off against each other later on this evening as well. Um, and I really wonder, Elliot, and I was mentioning this before you came on, I really wonder if Detroit loses again tonight, if Steve Eisman changes his stance on how he feels about his team in advance of trade deadline. And look, Tyler Bertuzzi scored an absolute beauty yesterday. Um, like He's healthy and he looks great. And he hasn't been in the playoffs going back to 2017 with Grand Rapids. Um, it's It feels to me like there's a lot riding on this game for Detroit. And I want to get your thoughts on Jake Wallman here in a second um, with that signing. But does it feel as big to you as it does to me? Uh, I uh, I think I think it does. Um, you know, the, the thing is that I, I think what's happened is th- this is what I think Steve Eiserman is doing. I think Steve Eiserman is has contingency plans, and I, and I think he's looking at it like maybe we keep yep. the band together. And as we know, a week ago it, it certainly looked like that, and he held it off on Bertuzzi. But I think he wants to know that if he decides to make moves. He's got them in place. He want he doesn't want it yeah. to suddenly wake up. I don't know whether it's tomorrow or Thursday or Friday and say, "All right, I've made my decision." He wants all those things set in advance, and that's what I think mm-hmm. he's doing. I think he's got a plan for keeping Bertuzzi, and I think he's got a plan for moving Bertuzzi, and he wants to know what the market is. So I, I and I think the other thing too is, like I, I think Nashville's entrance and potentially maybe Calgary's entrance into this market and the return for Janot, I think what that's done is it's, it's, it's really made teams think, uh, especially teams with a player like Bertuzzi. Wow. Can we afford not to do this? And mm-hmm. so that's what I think Eisenman's doing. He's, he's going back and forth. He's thinking about keep or trade. And if trade, I better know what's available. And I think he's doing that right now. I, I don't think it's a guarantee he trades them, but I think he wants to have a plan in place for if he does. And you're right, Jeff. It, we'll see what happens tonight. Like if they, get, if they lose again to Ottawa, then you're, maybe you're thinking there and saying, okay, this, this isn't our time. 
And then Ottawa creeps up even higher into the standings. They're five points out uh, as we speak right now. That could turn into three um, if things break their way this evening. Um, you mentioned the Calgary Flames, and I, I want to swing back to Wallman here in a second. You mentioned the Calgary Flames a second ago. So I was on with Tim McAuliffe yesterday, and we were talking about the Calgary Flames, and I said, I agree or disagree here, Frege. I think the Calgary F- Flames, and maybe it's been all season long, are in a state of shock. Because I don't, well, I know this wasn't the plan. And you look at, you know, everybody who was, you know, in the, in those deals. Like, what a weird, what a weird summer. We could be looking at a situation where everybody who was involved in these deals, whether it's um, Matthew Kachuk, um, whether it's Jonathan Huberto, whether it's Nazem Kadri, whether it's Mackenzie Weger, like go right down the list. Like everybody involved in these deals, we could see a situation where none of these players make the playoffs the following season. Like certainly for Johnny Gaudreau, but the other teams as well, very much in question. It, it seems to me as if Calgary That's is wild. stunned that that they're that they're in this situation on February the twenty eighth. And if I'm a rival general manager, I'm probably trying to take advantage of Brad Treliving and force him into making a decision he didn't think he was gonna have to even contemplate this deep into February. Agree or disagree? I agree, and I do think that's going on. I think they're thinking about it. Um, you know, Calgary has a lot of players, a lot of good players, with one more year left on their contracts. You know, they've yep. got, you know, they've got Lindholm, they've got Backlund, they've got uh, who's the other guy out there? I think Hannafin, like Dave. Uh, I think was Tanev have one more year too. Um, they got they got a lot of good players with one more year, one more year left on their deals. And that's a good place to be. Yeah, Tanif has one. Not ridiculous term. It's not ridiculous term. They're all good players, and you know, you they, and teams like that idea of not just getting him from one playoff for two. And uh, you know, it's a it's also a, it's a huge game for them tonight. But I think he's weighing things, and I and I think especially over the last couple of days, he's been weighing things like that. You know, we'll see. Um, but yes. Um, uh, I do think it's a possibility Calgary considers moves that, well, never mind considering it, because I know they're considering it. But I think it's realistic that they at least really go down the road or think about something that they wouldn't have contemplated at the beginning of the season. Yeah. You, you know who I think of? And by the way, the, the game that Elliot's referring to, Flames face off against the Bruins tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern on Sportsnet 1 West and Pacific. As, you, as you're mentioning these names of players that only have one year left uh, of term, you know who a lot of them sound like? They sound like they'd be great candidates to become Carolina Hurricanes. Like, yeah. I look at Lindholm and I say, he's got Hurricane written all over him. I look at Backlund. And well, he say, was one. He's got Hurricane. He was, yeah, he was one, and you could see him going back. Um, ditto for Michael Backlund as well. Like I, I look at some, think of some of these players that you're going through, and we're all waiting for Carolina to make their move. We know they were in on a number of players, uh, most notably Timo Meyer, and you're waiting for Don Waddell to do something. I wonder if it could be something mm-hmm. with Calgary. I really do wonder. I don't know. Well, uh, it we'll, makes we'll a lot of sense. Foley's got a year left too. He's another guy who's got 25 goals. Yep. 
Will be interesting. Okay, so we'll see what happens with the Calgary Flames. Um, I want to ask you about the Buffalo Sabres. So, first of all, they make the move yesterday. Riley Stillman uh, comes in for Josh Bloom. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin is still day-to-day. Uh, we didn't think that Kevin Adams was going to do much other than tinkering. That would qualify. But what I wonder about is with Alex Tuck injured and the Buffalo Sabres this close, um, and I believe they inquired, although I don't think there was ever it was a point where they were making an offer, at least they inquired about James Van Riemsdyk. Um, what do you see the Buffalo Sabres doing here? Like, it's they're at a place where they're right there, and it's an injury that's really going to hurt them on their top line. What do you think the Sabres do here? Uh, I think they'll look around. Um I, I think they'll look around um, and see what they can add. Uh, hold on one second. But again, I don't think it's going to be huge. I think they're looking for a center two potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I oops, sorry. I think I think they're looking. Like Hinnis Rosa gets the opportunity, and he was. They were trying to find a spot for him earlier on. Um, yeah, like we'll see what they decide to do here, but I think it's not going to be huge. I, I think it's going to be typical of what they did if they can find a depth or small mm-hmm. ad, but I don't see them doing what Adams has said, promised they wouldn't do, which is you know do out anything outside their process. Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to get to here, uh, I want to ask about the trade that happened yesterday while we were on the air, and that is Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, from the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, the first question becomes, I suppose, now is Kyle Dubas done? We wondered about that after the Ryan O'Reilly, Nola Chari deal. And now we're asking same after the Lafferty McCabe deal. Are there any more machinations here for Dubas or is he done? No, I think you always have to assume he's still looking. Like, again, we're at a point where if he's doing anything, it's probably taking off the roster. But I think it's pretty obvious that he's still considering things. Um, you know, the one thing we look at here is he used the old Lamorello line perfectly yesterday. Um, you know, if you have time, <laughs> use it. I did. He's got to activate... Yeah. He's got to activate, you know, Matt Murray this week because the league is being really tough on these long-term LTIR situations. So I think we're all saying, like, barring an injury, how is he going to do it? And I think that that's all what we're kind of sitting here saying right now is, is he moving to add or is he moving to uh, clear up cap room? And I don't think anybody would be surprised. Look, it's an all-in, all-in year for them. Like, they're a team that really doesn't like moving first-rounders. Um, and they talked a lot about it internally, about not moving uh, the first-rounder last year, and would they do it again this year? And obviously, they've done it. And I think, to me, that is, uh, that is a real sign of where they think they are and what they think they need to do. So the fact that they moved two first-rounders one in the Chicago deal mm-hmm. and the other in the St. Louis deal tells me that you can't count them out from doing anything. Uh, 
I'm like you here. I might be on something. Give me. I might go back to that. Okay. Um, what about the Pittsburgh Penguins? Right now, Fridge. Uh, I know they've sort of self course corrected here a little bit the last couple of games. Just given what they've been through and how when it falls apart, it really goes south quickly. Do we expect Ron Hextall to do much here? Um, I, I think he's looking. Like there was a report today about uh, JT Miller. I think that's true. I think they talked about him, but I don't think it got close or anything like that. Um. You know, I, I think that's kind of, you know, there were the reports last week about uh, about Chikrin. I think that's true. Um, you know, I, I think they're. I think those are the kinds of moves they're looking at. Um, I just think the real challenge for them is they don't have a lot of options, right, uh, in terms of futures, and I think they're being really careful about. I think they're trying to be really careful about giving up their futures uh, when they don't have a lot of them. So um, that's kind of where it goes. I, I think Kapanen getting claimed really helps them. Um, yeah. Hold on one second. I'm just checking something. I think Patrick, is it Puistola, is the player going in return for to Edmonton for Pugliarvi. For Pugliarvi, um, yeah, I just sent a note about that. That's, yeah. Patrick, uh, I'm just going to put that out. <laughs> this is the exciting part. Sorry, of I know this is really exciting for the listeners. Yeah. It's all right. But it looks like Pugliarvi is a Carolina Hurricane. You know, yeah. it's, it's interesting because... With with uh, with Pugliarvi going to Carolina, there have been a couple of teams, and I think Colorado is one, and I think Dallas is another, where a lot of the Finnish players on the team really went to their managers and said, can we please bring in this guy? Everybody's missing the boat on him. Great guy. We'd love playing with him. Can you, can you bring him in? I'm pretty sure that Carolina and Dallas are the two teams there. But he does feel like a Carolina Hurricane kind of guy. Well, you know, he's been the, the kind of uh, uh, he's been the, the kind of player. Like it's interesting. Like when you take a look at Pugliarvi and, and what his future was going to be, um, Carolina was one of the teams that we were all talking about, um, and. Uh, and and because it was it was Anaheim that people were mentioning it was Arizona it was it was Carolina and he ends up there like Carolina no money retained by the way people were wondering about that and Carolina fits so they're picking up the the full um, cap hit yeah yes mm-hmm. yes. So, so that that's going to open for some opportunities for Edmonton to do some things. All right, because he was on a $3 million cap hit. I, uh, and, you know, so the, the, the qualifier is high, although I can't, I can't help but think that the agent there is Marcus Letso. I can't help but think that they would work with Carolina um, on doing an extension at some point and you know, looking the other way on the, on, the, on the qualifier. But we'll see what happens there. But that does open up cap space for Edmonton. 
and that I'm, I'm sure this is really riveting radio doing something oh dude it was the same way yesterday because i got a note about lafferty and, Mc, and mccabe and I had to hand the whole thing over to marchese and honestly like with all due respect matt and i know you're listening because you're the producer right now i could not tell you a thing that marchese said as i just thumbed it on the iphone <laughs> Very riveting. Okay, let's finish up on this uh, one real quick. I, I told you I was going to ask you, buddy. Here we are. Uh, just a couple things I wanted to add, like uh, yeah, uh, that just to keep an eye on, um, and not the biggest okay. names, but I just think some names to take a look at. Um, someone mentioned to me, and it makes a lot of sense as a right hand D option. Uh, Robert Bortuzzo from St. Louis. There's been a lot of talk about. Um, a lot of the bigger guys with contracts there, but Bortuzzo is 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 one is one more year under a million Stanley Cup ring, a really tough guy. Um, I've heard. Mm. I think that makes a little bit of sense. And you know, I've also heard Logan Stanley from Winnipeg that there's that there's been some action around him. I someone told me they were actually surprised that they, he didn't go to Nashville in the uh, Niederreiter trade, but. Um, Oh, yeah. I, I've heard there's been a little talk about Stanley as, as the Jets look to do some things. So just a couple things to keep I, an eye out on. I can see Winnipeg looking to bring in a defenseman as well. You the same? Yeah, oh, yeah. I think they've been looking around at Chickering, no question about it. But I just don't know what the likelihood of it is. Uh, okay, as uh, Matty uh, Marchese reminds me, uh, Marcus Leto, by the way, the, uh, the agent for Jesse Pogliarvi, also has Tara Vinen and Kotkaniemi uh, on the Carolina. Yeah, they got a lot of fins there. Uh, one... mm-hmm. Yeah, they really do. Uh, okay, there you go. So that was a riveting eight or nine minutes while we tried to have a conversation while staring at our phones. Okay, there we go. Uh, preview of Friday. Very good. Elliot, um, back to work. Eyeballs on 5 o'clock with the Rangers, Blackhawks, and Patrick Kane. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.